You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Happy draft week, everybody. It is the Monday edition and just a few short days away. The NFL draft will be here. We have a fantastic guest to break all of it down. Connor Rogers of the Bleacher Report will be joining us shortly. Some news to get to, though, Matt, before we go. And uh, a nice little flurry of action here over the weekend. And just after we finished recording, there was a big trade in the NFL. And the Baltimore Ravens sent their Pro Bowl offensive tackle, Orlando Brown. He's going to no longer play right tackle. And he's going to play left tackle instead for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's interesting because when we're doing the the ultimate mock draft and doing our own mock drafts ourselves, we're, we're thinking, man, that is tough at pick 31 to find someone that you can plug in to be left tackle. Finding an offensive tackle, a guard, that's doable. And I think that's a nice spot for that. But finding that left tackle, I think when they were done with draft meetings, the Kansas City Chiefs said, ah, left tackle, maybe that guy's not there. Let's go call the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, this this was a little bit of a shock to me on a couple levels. Well, there's a lot to unpeel. I mean, these are maybe the two top contenders, Buffalo, I understand, in the AFC. I was a little shocked that they did business, you know, kind of like division rivals. I think it's great for Brown. Obviously, he goes to a highly successful team. He gets to play the left side. Presumably, Kansas City's going to extend him. So not only do they have to give a picks, but they're going to have to give him money. I'm not saying it's a bad move. I really don't think it is. But He's not going to run block 65% of the time and mash people. I mean, it's going to be a little, a lot different situation, but give Kansas City credit. I mean, the line that we saw in the Super Bowl, and I understand people were hurt, versus what they have right now is night and day. I mean, they have done a great job with the offensive line, but it hasn't been cheap. Tooney, Brown, you know, these guys are expensive. Um, as for the Ravens, well, I've heard people talk about the compensation and they pull out the Jimmy Johnson trade chart or whatever. <laughs> and they say, basically we got Orlando Brown for the 47th pick. I'm like, I don't see it that way. Oh, <laughs> you no, know, no. You, you gave up a first and you get, you know, Baltimore's got all these picks now as usual, like Baltimore, I thought got a pretty good haul. It's interesting because it, it depends on which chart you look at. And right. uh, one chart says 37. There are some charts that say they actually gave up more in value than the 31st pick by itself. And the, the the here's the deal. So it was a first rounder, number thirty one. Yeah, a third rounder, number ninety four. A fourth rounder, number one thirty six overall, and then a fifth rounder next year. I don't know how they came to this. By the way, this would have been the most maddening conversation to be involved with when they're figuring out all these picks. <laughs> right, right. And so the Chiefs get Brown. Obviously, they also get a second rounder this year, number fifty eight overall, and a sixth rounder. So that's a first, a third, a fourth. They get back Brown a second, and a sixth. So if you're just taking the player out of it and looking at the picks, uh, just send the 31st because it was pretty much the same value anyway. So maybe they just wanted a number of picks. If we're going to lose a first, we want, uh, you know, we just want more picks and more throws at the dartboard, which I can understand. And so maybe that makes sense in that regard. And the, and the Ravens, I'm sure, were like, fine, sure. Just as long as 31's involved, then let's go. Yeah, right. I mean, now the Ravens have two late firsts. I, I bet they take a receiver and maybe a, a Liam Eikenberg or an edge rusher or somebody along those lines. And then they have a lot more. The key to me is Baltimore. I study Baltimore a lot. They own the comp pick market. They had a million picks last year. They always want picks. They want quantity. So if you give 
I wanted to say Ozzie Newsome, but it's the same group. An extra third, an extra fourth. It's going to pay off for them. I mean, that's how they do business. Yeah, DaCosta is in charge there, and it's, yeah. it's more of the same, and he was well-trained, and I wouldn't be shocked if they still only pick once in the first round and then move down and recoup some of those picks again from pick 31, and it becomes uh, an even bigger haul in the end. Or if they, who knows, they could patch package those together and go up what if they what if what if they go up and get someone like Devonte smith that starts to fall into the middle of round one that would be kind of interesting that would be kind of interesting i mean they could do it they got a lot of picks next year they're also going to get high comp picks for Nadakway and judon as usual they're loaded with draft capital going forward my only problem with that philosophy is i don't want another little guy you know yeah. <laughs> i mean i wouldn't Bateman or you know what I mean I want a big receiver right oh my gosh yeah you put you put um Hollywood Brown and Devontae Smith together and they look like one person standing still right <laughs> right right right, right. <laughs> the, uh, the speed's guys. great or yeah. Waddle or whomever I mean that's that speed's awesome but when you run the ball 70 percent of the time and those two don't block anybody that's not helpful either all right a couple of bombs dropped real quick before we get to Connor Rogers from Ian Rappaport. Uh, one of them we'll talk about with Connor about the 49ers decision at number three coming down to Mac Jones or Trey Lance. It's come down to those two, according to sources. Then Jeremy Fowler said that uh, actually nobody knows because only Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch knows. So that might not be accurate. And all three are still in place. So who knows what to believe with all of that. But here's an interesting one that I want to talk about with you. And also from Ian Rappaport, the Falcons have received calls from teams inquiring about possible trades for all pro wide receiver Julio Jones. A trade could not happen for cap reasons before June 1st, but teams know Atlanta's brutal cap situation and are calling. A deal won't happen now, but later, maybe. What do you think about that one? Julio Jones on the move, possibly post-June 1st, and what's the point of holding on to Matt Ryan and keeping that group together if you don't keep Julio along with it? I feel like it's a package deal. Either you're rolling with the group and trying to stay good and fix the defensive side of the ball, or you're breaking it up and you're starting over. Kind of... Kind of doing it halfway seems kind of odd for me from the Falcons. Yeah, I was thinking that too is, okay, if you take Fields or Lance or whomever at four and say, okay, we're going to build a new with a new staff and all that good stuff. And, you know, Matt Ryan gets traded a year from now. Julio gets traded on June 1st. That all adds up to me. And you draft defense like crazy and, you know, youth, youth, youth. I mean, I, I totally understand that. But if you're going to roll it back and you're going to draft Pitts, for example, at four, I'm trying to score 45 every week and I need Julio. And I'm sure teams would be very interested in Julio. Like, what if he was a Packer? I mean, there's so many teams that could would love Julio Jones, I'm sure. But he's not going to yield you two firsts. You know, I don't know if it's enough. Right. I don't think you're going to get enough for him. And if I'm a team offering on Julio, I'm, I'm offering like a second. Maybe a future, yeah, yeah. a conditional future pick or something like that. I'm probably not even dangling a first rounder. No, I mean, especially if I'm a contender. I mean, maybe if I'm the Packers, I would offer you the 2022 first. Oh, maybe. Packers. I mean, that's oh Packers. That would be <laughs> ooh, that would be fun. Like I kind of just want to see that. Even if even if Julio gets hurt and we only see eight games of it or whatever, that that wow. would be fun. That would be fun. And all of a sudden, Mister Rogers' neighborhood would get a lot happier. And you know wouldn't be fun for the rest of the nfc north but i think no. that would be fun for us on a, on a fantasy level and just on a tuning in on sunday level it's like okay hall of famer to hall of famer and maybe even uh, another future hall of famer and Devonte adams in the mix there go ahead and and cover those guys have fun yeah and you wouldn't have to give up anything in this draft class and so i don't know I, i'm with you though when i heard the holio thing i was like 
Maybe. Let's see what the Falcons look like after the draft, and then we'll talk about it. And the report was also kind of vague. as like a team called about him. Okay, well, you could say that about well, sure. 700 yeah. players in the NFL, right? Sure. You know, I mean, I'm sure Baltimore called about him. They have all these picks. <laughs> right, I mean, right. Exactly. Uh, all right, good stuff. Let's move on to Connor Rogers. Let's find out what's going on in the first round. Pick three, pick four, how the dominoes will fall, and beyond. Maybe some late-round sleepers in the NFL draft next. Hey, NFL fans, I want to tell you about Nugenics. The number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. That number is 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Nugenics Total T is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ads say, she'll like it too. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. You're running out of time to get involved with some of these draft props at betonline.ag. A couple of interesting ones here with Penny Sewell over under five and a half. Trey Lance over under pick six and a half. And some of the information we're getting now on what's going on with pick three and pick four, Kyle Pitts, five and a half, Trey Lance, six and a half. Starting to really feel like both of those are going to be under. A ton of other over-unders on different players, which teams will pick what at the top. We've got win totals now on the 2021 season for teams. And, of course, the other sports that are going on right now, NBA action just about every single day, NHL, Major League Baseball, poker, awards shows, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Free to sign up, just go to the website, use the mobile app, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Joining us today is Connor Rogers. He is the NFL draft analyst for Bleacher Report. You can find him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Connor, appreciate you joining the show. I know you're a busy man right now. I think you're probably making the rounds on just about every show on the planet talking about the NFL draft this week. Yeah, guys. Hey, it's that time of the year. I, I love doing it, so I'm happy to be here. I got to talk about, look, I cover the 49ers as well here on the network. And of course, the draft starts at three because everybody knows it's a quarterback and Sunday night, Ian Rappaport throwing a report out there that it's now down to Mac Jones or Trey Lance at pick number three. First of all, I just want to ask you, you've been doing this a long time. How much can we trust the information that's out there right now? Is there a chance that any of this is being fed to the media by the 49ers? Because as we know, it's lying season because it feels like the 49ers are just trying to piss everybody off at this point. Not only their fan base, because nobody wants Mac <laughs> Jones. There's a there's a change.org petition out there that's, oh, no. that's addressed to the York family to not allow Kyle Shanahan to draft Mac Jones. But even beyond that, because there's dominoes here. If the 49ers don't take the quarterback that another team wants, or maybe the Falcons want it for, that really changes the whole complexion of the first round. And as Peter King wrote this morning, the Niners kind of ruined the trade market for other teams that are trying to get up, right? Because if you're the Falcons, you're like, cool, you want a quarterback? That's just the low price of three first round picks is all it's going to take, right? 
That's exactly right. I mean, the way they've handled this is quite frankly how teams should. And we know the NFL loves the surprise factor. I'm sure they're not entirely thrilled that the number one and probably number two pick have been, you know, decided and out in the public for quite some time. So the buildup of this draft starts at number three and the Niners owe nothing to anyone to reveal who they're taking. And the Niners have close enough relationship with the New York Jets that they probably know that Zach Wilson, somebody they would love to have, is not going to be there. And we've known Trevor Lawrence is going number one for quite some time. So I think when you look at it, you're, you nailed it. It's holding up everything. I, I think Atlanta had a long discussion with their new regime, new head coach, new GM, and said, hey, we're in a position to take a quarterback. And, you know, we don't won't necessarily know which one will be there. But when they renegotiated or restructured Matt Ryan's deal for the guaranteed money to be spread out for quite some time, it, it seems like that. Uh, kind of tells you maybe they're not going to go in that new direction just yet. Maybe they don't want to find themselves in this Green Bay situation where the guy's taken, he's on the roster, but wait, our guy's still playing at a good enough level that we don't know when he's going to make his debut, and then you lose building on the rookie salary scale and all these other things. So the Niners are in a very interesting situation, and my understanding of it has always been, and this is not common in the NFL, It's there's only one other scenario where I've heard this happening, they made this trade without having the guy, right? You look at the scenario. They made the trade really early. Uh, their scouting department knew they loved this quarterback class. Kyle Shanahan knew he loves this quarterback class. But it wasn't a scenario where it's, you know, we have to have this guy. It's more of a scenario where we think all of these guys are high upside starters and we're going to narrow down which one we're going to take in this next month. And, you know, they're a different different team because they, Kyle Shanahan makes the decisions at the top, especially at the quarterback decision. And he's someone that is a little behind in a sense compared to everyone else where everybody could stack these quarterbacks in January. He had to rebuild a lot of his coaching staff and then you get into free agency. And then by the time you look at it, it's draft preparation time. So he's really used this month to get to know and understand and see the workouts with Mac Jones, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And I think the Niners have a great infrastructure for Trey Lance. I think that they have Jimmy G there that can play right away if they need him to while Trey sits. I think they have the right coaches to maximize Trey's talent, which is a very, very high ceiling. I think he brings an element to their offense as a runner, but also takes care of the football and is a high IQ leader that makes a lot of sense as well. And Justin Fields fits a lot of these things as well, but you just don't hear his name connected to them as much. So the long story short is, we could be surprised. I've learned that over the years, you can always be surprised mm -hmm. on draft day. And more often than not, you're going to have one or two picks that absolutely shock you. But when all is said and done, I really do think this is a two man race down to Mac and Trey Lance. I think it's a lot closer than people realize. Connor, ha happy draft week to you. Happy draft week to all listening. I couldn't be more excited. Can't get here soon enough. Two things for you along those lines. Great information there about that third pick. If it were up to you, who would you take? And why is what am I missing on Justin Fields? To me, he's clearly my second quarterback. You study this more than I do. Why is Fields not in the equation at two or three? I think you're right. I think Fields is phenomenal. And I think that it is perplexing that he is not seemingly not in the equation for that number three overall pick. Now, my understanding of it, and it's not necessarily something I see or agree with, is that when you look at the Jets, who are going to replicate a lot of the passing concepts that the Niners do and Green sure. Bay and Tennessee as well, with Mike LaFleur following Shanahan forever, a lot of it is based on timing. And I think they value Zach Wilson's release so much and his ability to get the ball 
where it needs to go at a lightning pace, a lightning delivery. So that's my thinking of what where the Jets are at number two. But then you get to number three and you're saying Justin Fields is probably the most accurate quarterback in this class. I don't know if there's much disputing that accuracy at all three levels of the field, big bodied, good runner, uh, very likable. There's not the character stuff was just nonsense. It's not real. Um, so when you look at it, it is very difficult to figure out. I don't know how Mac Jones is in this equation. Just being honest with you. I don't think he's in the same tier as the other four. I look at Lawrence Wilson fields and Lance. They can play out of structure. Um, they are much better athletes. They are accurate and and Mac Jones is accurate and throws with anticipation, but he's not the athlete. He's not the guy that's going to play out of structure. And that matters in today's NFL. Look at the top quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers. Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, on and on and on. And, and I don't want to hear the Tom Brady stuff. He's an, the outlier of the century. Like the he's 100 years old. He's, he, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. like that when he came in the league either. Exactly. It's right. exactly right. And no, how many people thought that he would become that? So the Mac, Mac Jones is more, you know, Andy Dalton, Chad Pennington type where it's he can he can deliver in the structure of your offense. But is he going to take you over the top? You can win games with him. Can he win you games and elevate? I don't see that. So it is a bizarre scenario. Now, if they take Trey Lance, I can sell you on why they took him over Justin Fields. What I'm assuming they're thinking is we just love his ceiling at his age, right? At 19 years old, even if it was the FCS, didn't throw an interception, did run a pro style offense, did make protection calls at the line of scrimmage, did go through reads. There's a lot left on the table to develop Trey Lance. And Kyle Shanahan is billed as the quarterback guru, the quarterback developer. So taking the high ceiling guy, uh, does make sense to me if that's the route they go. Whichever team Trey Lance ends up on, the prevailing wisdom is that you sit him for a year, but I find that somewhat dicey because the one thing he's lacking is playing time, right? So I would actually rather sit Justin Fields because I think he's got a body of work and something to lean back on and could really benefit from sitting back and watching the pro game and, and watching you know a stopgap quarterback for a bit, although he's going to be too talented and probably the first day of practice to be like, well, we can't keep that guy off the field. <laughs> And it might be the same way with Trey Lance, but yeah. if he doesn't play all year, that'll mean that he's played one sort of weird quasi-regular season game since December of 2019, and we're talking about September 2022. That is a massive gap for a guy who only played one year of Division One AA ball. I think you got to work him in if you draft Trey Lance. you got to get him reps because that's the thing he's lacking. I'm with you all the way. He's got, what, 319 pass attempts in his career? That's, like, unheard of for a top-five pick. So I think when you look at it, uh, and there's less preseason games this year, so you can't even sit back and go, oh, he's going to get all these preseason reps, and and we know what NFL training camps have become. It's it's just not the way it used to be. The point is, reps don't exist like they used to, and and I'm with you that I also wonder if it's been overblown. Just because the sample size is small, did we think that he's not ready to be on an NFL field? doesn't turn the ball over. He's smart with the football. He can rely, He can fall back on his running when things aren't right. Like You look at the offense, and a lot of it is, oh, my first read isn't there. I'm so much more athletic and stronger than everyone else. I can run and get 20 yards. Like There is plenty of that on the tape, and it won't be like that in the NFL. But I also think there are scenarios where there are opportunities that you could make plays with your legs when things aren't perfect, or you're not up to the speed of the NFL game. So I think for Trey, if he goes to the 49ers, and the same could be said for a team like Denver, right? You have Jimmy G, the 49ers, Locke, and Denver. It's just a matter of time. And when I say it's a matter of time, it's not the redshirt year Patrick Mahomes got. It's more of when do the wheels start to fall off the bus or when does the offense hit its very limited ceiling that you go, we need some more juice, we need some more energy, we're going to turn to this guy. Is it the bye week? Is it a different you know, spot of the schedule? 
Uh, is it a part where you start to see some cupcake opponents, things like that? But sitting a full season, I, I just don't think that's realistic. Connor, do you think Miami's getting nervous? You know, they make this trade, they get the six, thinking, okay, four four quarterbacks will probably be gone. We'll get Chase or Pitts. Now, maybe they're not in love with Penn Sewell. Chase and Pitts go four and five, and we're now in no man's land, which we was the total opposite of what we were shooting for. I think so, and I think I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because no one's talking about it. Yeah, if weird. Atlanta doesn't get the godfather offer, right, and let's just assume they're not taking a quarterback. If they mm-hmm. don't get the godfather offer at four, I've heard Atlanta's like, okay, we'll take Kyle Pitts. Sure. Like, no they, there, there's no sweating there. It's not like, oh, my God, we're pigeonholed into this scenario where you know we might reach on a player or it's not a need or they're just like all right we'll, we'll take, take the Kyle superstar Pitts. yeah yeah right. exactly right. and you don't they don't you know they don't have to trade out for a, a lower level offer so absolutely Kyle Pitts can go four Jamar Chase can go five if you ask me today what I think is going to happen because it's impossible to just predict trades I know people love to give eight million of them it's just not that realistic right now I think Kyle Pitts goes four and Jamar Chase goes five like you said what does Miami do they've mm-hmm. used a lot of draft capital last year on the offensive line it's not a perfect unit but you look at their holes, they need a center. No, they're not taking a center in the top 10. They're not taking a center in round one. That's going to be something they look to fill on day two, and it's a good center class to do so. So I do wonder, do they tr- move again, right? Are they there mm-hmm. like, we didn't get Pitts or Chase. Somebody will come up for a quarterback. We move out again, and we look at Waddle, Smith, Bateman, on and on and on, and we just build out this unit. So they might they might have gotten a little too cute and overplayed their hand with the, the move arounds. Who's Maybe that? that works out for Denver to move to six, or you know, Denver, New England. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, AFC East. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, right. New England would have to look more at seven with the Lions. That's where where their realistic spot can start to get into. And also, how many teams want to go back to fifteen? Right. Right. This is this is not. Yeah. yeah. This is a you know, people ask me how many blue chip players in this class, and sometimes I I low bar it and say ten. You know, it, it changes. The draft changes real quick when you get to the second half of round one. Big time. Yeah, it's and it's so interesting, and so many draft boards could be so different this year more than ever, and we already know how bananas it gets, and some teams might have seven blue chippers, some teams might have 12, so that could really change things, and uh, it's going to be difficult for a team to get all the way up, but I like that seven pick with the Lions as being a real hot spot for some trade activity because the Lions need to rebuild. They need as much as they can possibly get, and maybe need value doesn't quite fit as much at seven as it might for some other teams. might not cost as much as it would cost to get in the top six because of who could be on the board there, and so I think that's a really good marriage and a good spot for a team to go up and try to get maybe one of those quarterbacks if they do continue to fall. I want to talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball, though, I know quarterbacks and some pass catchers are going to dominate the conversation early in this draft, but some defensive players have to go at some point. Where will that be? More with Connor Rogers coming up. The winner of Built Bar Madness, the best flavor as voted on by Built Bar Eaters, Coconut Brownie Chunk, is now back in stock at BuiltBar.com. Go pick yourself up a box. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off or build your own box of any flavors you want of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. It is fantastic. Other new flavors like Caramel Brownie, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. My favorite is peanut butter that I always talk about. Bars are covered in, this is the best part, 100% chocolate. Get some yourself at 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. 
Rogers.com. Connor Rogers with us today talking NFL draft. Connor, what is your prediction on the first defensive player selected? Will we see one go in the top 10? I think it's clearly going to be a record for the latest a defensive player goes. Could it be a defensive lineman? And is this even the worst defensive line class we've seen ever? And could that potentially push a guy up, Christian Barmore, Quiddy Pay, or even Jason Owe, who, you know, it's well-documented. He had zero sacks, but the stupid athleticism. Is one of these guys going to get pushed up to a level where we're, like, blown away on draft night how high they go? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here with the defense, right? You look at it. I'll give you the obvious first. The obvious is that Sertain is the first defensive player taking huh. because he's viewed as a high floor corner. And a lot of those don't exist, quite frankly, in the draft. You look at Akuda's rookie season and he was billed as the same and he struggled. It's, it's a very difficult position to translate to. And I think Sertain will be fine. And, and the scenarios in that is Dallas at 10. Everyone's heard it. But have too many people heard it? What if somebody jumps Dallas and, and wants Sertain? I mean, Teams put a premium on the cornerback position. It would not shock me if somebody jumps Dallas and takes Sertain in one of those spots. If the if the move is small, right? Like if it's the Eagles or the Chargers or someone along the lines of that. We're not talking somebody like Chicago coming up from 20 to take Sertain at nine. They, just, they can't do that. So that's number one. The not so obvious and the X factor on all of it is honestly Jalen Phillips from Miami. I think that everybody looks at him and goes top 15 talent, plays a premium position at edge rusher. The, be, the ability to bend at that size and fight through double teams on the edge is standout, but you got to vet the concussion history. You got to vet a lot of things at UCLA. You got to make sure you're comfortable using a top 15 selection on the player. And that's just the variable that we don't know in this draft right now. So I think those are the two guys that could find their way into the top 10 on defense if there is any, which is remarkable. And then to answer your question about the defensive line, this interior class is bad. You could flat out say really it's, it's unimpressive. Um, you know, I'll just pull up the position rankings real quick and, and it's, it's not deep. It's not top heavy. There's just now the edge class. I, I do like a lot of them are developmental players, but just the interior defensive line class, like owns I, I think is actually has a higher ceiling than Barmore. Cause he can give you something as a pass rusher or, or really excites you as a gap shooter, but him and Barmore are the only two that I think are even second round caliber interior defensive linemen. Do one of them sneak into round one? Maybe I still think it's unlikely. And then you get into like the Aleem McNeil, you know, Davion Nixon, Bobby Brown kind of players on rounds three to four. So not a good interior defensive line class. And, and like you said, it could push people up. Uh, not a good strategy. I, I always say drafting interior defensive linemen early is is not really a great strategy unless it's like Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, Quinn and Williams level caliber players. You, you wait to find those guys. And then you look at the edge group. Quiddy Pay is probably going in the first round. Great athlete, great work ethic. He can, he's scheme diverse. He could do a lot of different things. I think Pay finds his way in the first round. I think Jalen Phillips goes in the first round. I still think Ojolari goes in the first round. And I know he's undersized, but he's so strong at the point of attack. So I think those three guys go in the first round. Oway is interesting. Great athlete. We know about the no sacks. Five and a half the year before that. You could see the light coming on at certain points. And he did start playing football very late in high school. So you could sit there and go, well, he just hasn't played enough. And we know the athlete is there. Uh, very, very high motor hustle player against the run. Where you look at those developmental edge pass rushers that are good athletes, you want to set the floor. And is this guy getting washed out against the run where we might end up with nothing? No, it's not the case. So he should be okay for the top 40, top 50, top 50 picks. But it, like you said, you're just you're throwing darts here in the front four of this class. Like Rousseau is a wild card that nobody really knows how it's going to play out. He had one dominant year, was an awful tester. He's a tweener. We don't know if he's going to play 
three tech, five tech, you know, wide nine. We just don't know. So the interior defensive line and edge class is is fascinating to watch. And we know teams will reach at those positions. Running back isn't as bad as D tackle. No position is, but it's compared to running back years. It's really thin. I mean, what's your take? You think there's a three-man tier? Could we see one, two in the first round? Do those top three go pretty early? And then we have a big gap. Is there anybody you like late? Yeah, it's my take is it drops off in a scary fashion, right? Yeah, Where if right, you're a team right. that goes, I can get a starter in round six, like you're you're not no, really you're not thinking not well about it. Work, yeah. Right. So I think Najee goes round one. I think the Steelers or Dolphins would make that play or at least consider it. I, mm-hmm. The Steelers have a lot of needs. That's why I can't wrap my head around the 24. They need offensive line help. They need corner help. But who knows? It, it wouldn't shock me. So I think Najee finds his way into round one. I think ETN starts at the Bills at 30. And then we'll see where he goes. If he doesn't get picked there, he'll come off the board very early in round two. I like Javante Williams. Reminds me of Chris Carson, right? Compact running, hard-nosed style. Uh, high effort pass protector, not a guy you take in the top 30 picks. It's just, that's not a guy you take in the top 30 picks at that position. He'll go on day two. Kenny Gainwell, I really like good pass catcher, uh, three down kind of player. Good for an outside zone scheme, probably goes round three along with Michael Carter. Then you have Trey Sermon, Chuba Hubbard. They probably go early day three and then it just falls off a cliff, right? You look at it and there's a bunch of names like you know, Elijah Mitchell in round six or seven is somebody I'd be interested in because of the straight line speed and contact balance and breaking tackles does translate to the next level, something he's really good at. Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo, very, very small player, but hard-nosed runner. Maybe he's somebody that you could fit into your backfield in a rotational situation. And, and Javion Hawkins has that outside burst, 183 pounds, so you're not running him 15 times a game, but change of pace runner. So running back class, it falls off a cliff, and it's not what we're used to seeing year after year. Connor, is there a player, I know a lot of teams, they allow their scouts maybe on the last day to come in, put a gold star next to a player on their draft board or something like that. Beyond round one, day two, day three, is there a a mid-late round guy that would get the Connor Rogers stamp, a player that you would be pounding the table for on draft day and say, we got to get this guy into the building? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. I really like Drew Dalman at center, the center from Stanford. And I think he he could sneak into round two, but he's probably more round three. He's an undersized guy that plays big and good hands. Moves really well. He's going to be zone scheme specific. You want him to get out and create angles, climb to the second level. Uh, You want him on the move is what I'm saying. But if you're looking for that round three center, like we've seen it with Corey Lindsley in the past. I think he was taken in the fourth round and and not that different of a player in terms of the way he moves and so reliable and pass pro. Dalman would be like that round three player that I sit there and go, I feel really good about him. If you could talk your coaching staff past the size, because they're going to look at that and be like, he's 300 pounds, like, He's not the biggest guy. Like, is that okay? it's watch the film? He doesn't play to that size. And then one dark horse day three guy. And he, who knows if he's even drafted? I think he will be, but it'll be a close call. But I just love him is Antonio Nunn from Buffalo, the wide receiver um, that this is an offense that doesn't throw the ball a lot. He makes the most of his targets. Uh, he blocks really hard nosed blocker, catches everything, late hands, adequate athleticism to be your number three or number four guy. And he, he'll be ready to contribute on special teams. And those are the wide receivers on in round six or seven that stick to the end of rosters. So if you're looking for a dark horse sleeper that didn't even get a combine invite. I really do like Antonio Nunn. I love that one. Antonio Nunn. I have not watched him at all, but I'm going to go back and check him. I, I just, just I started his name down. Now. I didn't get to my university of Buffalo film, Matt. I don't know if you did yet. <laughs> uh, some highlights okay. here and there, but uh, I'm going to watch none, no doubt about it. I love the idea of 
he can he can come in and contribute on special teams now. That gets him a helmet. Mm-hmm. That gets him on their on their game day. The special teams coach loves him, and then you go from there. And, and you know it's crazy with Buffalo because I was like you guys early in the process where it's like they're playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and good football right, team. Right, right. They have four guys that are going to be drafted. It's crazy. Right. Jared Patterson, uh, probably none um, on the offensive line. Coyote Awasika, and then and then uh, Koontz is pretty good. Koontz, the edge rusher, is probably going to go day two. Like yeah. It's crazy that that kind of school is going to is going to send out four draftable players this year. Last one for you before we let you go, Connor. And I know you've got a lot of other hits to do today and throughout the week. The opt outs. I feel like there is a bunch of old school people in the NFL that are going to look at the players that took an opportunity to opt out and not to play and look at that as a huge negative light. Is there a potential to see some of those types of players fall for some teams and be like, nope. We're not touching the opt-out guys, and if we do, it's not going to be on like day one or two. Rousseau's yeah, it a is. Example for me, you mentioned him earlier. Who's that, Matt? Rousseau's like the yes. perfect example for me. You, you just him. would have liked to see him play yeah. with with Phillips and Roche and handle a lot of different roles and grow as a player. Of course, there's a lot. I, I look at Tyler Shelvin's the one that might be the hurt the most, and that's True. because yeah. it, what's the weight situation? He was, I think, he was three fifty the last time he was weighed. Now we know he can play nose shade nose and just eat space and, and clog gaps and i mean can you be on the field for more than six snaps a game i'm talking about that level of like question of conditioning that's a situation where it's like we we had questions and he was on a championship team and he's a good player there's no doubt about that but he's someone that really in most years should have played his way into the third or second round with that kind of size and ability in the middle of the defense i just don't think he goes on day two now and, and you can really contribute the opt-out to that take gallon from ucf that that secondary is loaded and you know, he could have made himself a lot of money. And I understand everyone's got different situations. It's not me killing right, a player right, right. for opting now. It's just that the reality of the situation is right, yeah. it's going to hurt you in the, like you said, there's old school people in the NFL and they're going to, they're going to tax you for that. Uh, you know, Sage Surratt had like a four, six, five, 40. It's just tough for a wide receiver. I thought Kerry Vincent Jr. Could have done himself a lot of, a lot of favors playing this year. There's a, these guys that are always fringe day two players are now are going day three. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Like Jamar Chase. No, he's pretty good, no right? Rashawn yeah. Slater, no, he's pretty good. It's the other guys in the back end of the draft that it could make a difference by two rounds. Fantastic stuff. That is Connor Rogers. Find his work at Bleacher Report and find him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Appreciate it, man, and have fun with Draft Week. Great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Connor. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with our Twitter Tuesday. Get your final NFL draft questions in to me at BD Peacock and Matt at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.